Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. On February 17, 2015, Darren Galsworthy came home from work to see his daughter Becky Watts milling about the house. It was a Tuesday, but school was on a break, so Becky had spent the day at home. After greeting her father, she went upstairs to her bedroom to watch television. She was 16 years old and spent most of her time in her bedroom, though she had a good relationship with her father and stepmother Angie. Darren went upstairs to check on his wife who had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis four years earlier. Then he went about the evening chores, making lunches for the next day, washing up and showering. Then he would go out into the back garden to smoke a cigarette at about 10 p.m. before going to bed. On this night, Becky came back downstairs and asked her father if he'd make her a pizza from the freezer. He grumbled about wanting to go to bed, but Becky had suffered from anorexia when she was younger, and after she recovered, he would never say no to her when she asked for food. He told her to go back to her room, and he would bring the pizza up to her when it was ready. Becky was watching Jackass when Darren knocked on her door and jokingly announced, quote, room service. She opened the door with a giggle and took the tray from him. Darren said goodnight and went to bed. At about 3 a.m., he was awoken by the sound of the television in his daughter's room. He quietly walked down the hall into Becky's room and turned the TV off. He looked down at his teenage daughter, who was curled up in bed, sleeping soundly, not knowing that it was the last time he would ever see her alive. This is Monsters. Nathan Matthews was born on January 9, 1987, and not much is available about his early childhood. His father wasn't in his life, and his mother Angie would go on to be with a different man. This relationship wasn't healthy, and in an effort to shield Nathan from it, she had him live with her mother. She would make sure to see him every day during the week and would bring him to stay with her on weekends. Eventually, she got out of the unhealthy relationship, but she didn't want to make Nathan change schools, so she continued the routine of seeing him before and after school and on weekends. Rebecca Watts, who went by Becky, was born on June 3, 1998 in Bristol, England. Her parents were Darren Galsworthy and Tanya Watts, who weren't even still together when she was born. They had dated for years and had a son together named Danny at the beginning of 1995, but they soon broke up and Tanya only got pregnant after a single night of sex on a rare occasion where they were getting along. Darren would take both Danny and Becky for weekends and had a consistent relationship with his children. Around 2000, Darren ran into a woman he had known years earlier named Angie. They had both been interested in the other, but when they met, Darren was in a relationship and by the time he got out of it, Angie was seeing someone. 
it would be 12 years and three children before they would reconnect and finally start dating. This meant that each adult had to be introduced to the other's children. Angie introduced Darren to her son, Nathan, first. By now, he was 12 years old and still living in his grandmother's house. Darren said that after a few hours, they seemed to get along just fine. When Angie met Danny and Becky, they immediately fell in love with her. Nathan invited Danny to his room to play video games and since he was only four years old at the time, that was a pretty big deal. As they settled into their roles in the new extended family, Darren would take his kids out of the house one day of the weekend to give Nathan some time with his mom, but Angie told him to stop. She wanted them to all be a family. Nathan seemed to get jealous when his mother gave affection to the other kids, especially Becky, but it was something he was going to have to get used to. It may have been harder for Nathan to deal with, though, as he was already only mainly seeing his mother on weekends, and now he had three other people to compete with. When Darren and Angie moved into a house together, they would spend the weeks alone, then have all three children with them for the weekend. Eventually, both Darren and Angie noticed that Danny and Becky acted strange when they first got to their house. They would be very quiet and timid, usually finally warming up by the next morning. Then they would play and giggle and be themselves. When it was time to take them back on Sunday, Becky would cry the whole way home. Danny didn't cry, but he didn't seem happy about going back to his mother. They also noticed that the kids were always in old clothes when they picked them up, despite Darren always paying his child support and buying them new clothes on weekends. One Friday, he showed up at Tanya's house to pick the children up and Becky wasn't wearing any shoes. When he went in the house to look for some, he discovered that she didn't have any. Eventually, Darren called social services and asked if they would look into the situation. There must be some reason they didn't want to go home to their mother. In September of 2001, a social services agent came to Darren and Angie's house and let them know that the kids had been removed from Tanya's care. They said that they weren't being properly cared for and that they had been placed with a foster family. From that point, Darren would have to petition the court for custody. He didn't understand why his own children couldn't just come live with him, but there seemed to be a problem since his name was never put on Becky's birth certificate. Now, Darren had to jump through a million hoops to prove that he was capable of having custody of his own children. Unfortunately, Tanya was also able to petition for custody and had just as much chance of getting her children back if she could prove she had made acceptable changes. Fortunately, he was still able to have them every weekend since that was a prearranged agreement, so he didn't have to go months without seeing them. Angie was also scrutinized for having Nathan live with his grandmother and she was even made to take parenting classes, which she passed with flying colors. When they talked to Nathan, who was 14 by then, about what was going on, they told him they were trying to get custody of Danny and Becky. He seemed happy to have Danny around more, but he said he didn't want Becky to live with them. He said that she was loud and annoying. In January of 2002, Darren was granted temporary custody of his children and was able to bring them home from foster care. In March, he was granted permanent custody. Danny was given an award by social services for doing such a good job taking care of his sister while they were in foster care. Once Danny and Becky lived with Darren and Angie full-time, Becky became even closer with Angie. By the time she was five, she believed that Angie was her mother and they had to sit her down and tell her the truth. She was upset, but eventually accepted that she had a mom and an Angie, and that seemed to make their relationship even stronger. 
All the while, Nathan was still living with his grandmother during the week, while Angie was being the mother to two children that weren't even hers. He didn't seem to mind Danny as much, maybe because he and Danny had a lot in common, but his dislike of Becky only got stronger. Nathan's father was completely out of the picture, so he built a pretty strong relationship with Darren. They became more like father and son. When Nathan was 14, Darren signed him up for the Army Cadets, which he had done as a teen. Nathan went away to a week-long camp on some Army training grounds. They did drills and 10-mile marches, and most importantly, they got to shoot real guns. When Nathan came back, he was exhausted, but he said he loved it. When he turned 16, Darren got him driving lessons, and when he passed the test, he brought him home and surprised him with a moped. These events continued to bring the stepfather and son closer together. When Nathan was out of high school, he started training to become an electrician, and he used his moped to deliver pizzas in the evening. Darren and Angie were proud of him and were happy that he had come out of a bad situation with an absent father to develop into a decent, well-rounded young man. Not long after, Nathan was riding his moped down the road when someone drove straight into him. He launched off the bike, flew over the hood of the car, and landed on the pavement. He broke his wrists and was banged up, but because Darren had drilled into him the importance of wearing safety gear, he was in much better shape than he could have been. After that, they decided it was probably time for Nathan to get a car. As Nathan grew into an adult, he started having girlfriends, but Darren and Angie noticed some unusual behavior. After he broke up with his first girlfriend, he began sitting outside of her house in his car. One time, the police had to tell him to leave. When Darren found out, he told Nathan to just let her go, but Nathan claimed she owed him 400 pounds. Darren didn't really believe him and thought it was just an excuse to try to see her. When Nathan was 19, he pulled up in front of the house while Darren was outside working on his car. He saw that there were four girls in Nathan's car, but they couldn't have been older than 12. When he asked Nathan what was going on, he said he just met the girls and they wanted to go for a ride. Darren laid into him, saying, quote, I don't know what's going on here, but this is odd. They're children. Get in the car and take them back to wherever you found them. Nathan laughed at first, but when he realized that Darren was serious, he got back into the car and drove off. Afterward, he went to his grandmother's house, and by the time Darren saw him again, Nathan wouldn't talk about the issue. By the time Nathan had left high school, Danny and Becky were only 10 and 8 years old, respectively. Becky was quiet and shy in elementary school and had one really good friend named Hope, but when she went into secondary school, they started going to different schools. Darren said that she had a hard time going up to other kids and introducing herself, so she ended up spending a lot of time on her own. This made Becky the target of teasing by other kids at school. She came home crying about it after a few months, and Darren asked Danny to help look out for her since they went to the same school. He hoped that she would gradually find a place at school, but it didn't happen. Other girls called her names, told her she was fat, and physically picked on her. The comments about her being fat seemed to affect her the most. She began asking her father to purchase low-fat, ready-made diet meals and was talking about losing weight. She was only 11 years old and was reported to be a perfectly normal weight for her age. When she wasn't losing weight fast enough, she told Darren and Angie that she wanted to start exercising. Thinking that exercise was probably a more healthy option than having her try to reduce her food intake, Darren got her a set of boxing gloves and they worked out together with his heavy bag. He said that he would allow her to work out with him as long as she continued to eat. 
The agreement worked for a while, and after a few months of working out with her father, Becky was feeling stronger and was eating healthy portions. It didn't stop the bullies, though, and eventually the school called and asked why they were removing Becky from school. Darren and Angie had no intention of removing Becky from school, and it turned out that Becky had told the school that she was leaving to be homeschooled. She begged to be homeschooled, but neither Darren or Angie could afford to stay home with her. Eventually, the school put her in a special class that was meant for students who had trouble fitting in, and it kept her away from the bullies. But her obsession with losing weight came back. It got to the point where she was too weak to work out, and Darren and Angie started to worry about her. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. During this time, Nathan started taunting Becky, saying she was fat. When Darren told him to stop, he shrugged it off. He said that she was faking it for attention, but every time he would make comments about her weight, she took it even harder than when the kids at school did it. Eventually, Darren took Becky to the doctor, who told her that she was underweight. He explained that she needed to eat more or they'd have to admit her to a special clinic. She agreed, but when they got back home, her behavior didn't change. Soon, Becky was nearly skin and bones, and she was sent to the Riverside Adolescent Unit, which is a facility that specializes in eating disorders and mental health issues in youths. At her first appointment, she weighed 73 pounds when a healthy weight for a girl of her age at her height was 90 pounds. At 12 years old, Becky was diagnosed with anorexia. Darren was horrified at the assessment, but he was even more horrified when he realized that Becky seemed happy about her weight, or lack thereof. Becky began counseling sessions, and she eventually opened up about the bullying she had endured at school. It was also there that she revealed that she didn't really feel safe around Nathan. This was news to Darren. He tried to ensure her that Nathan wouldn't hurt her, but she wasn't convinced. The counseling didn't seem to change her eating habits, though, and after a few weeks, social services arrived at the house with the intention of putting Becky in inpatient care. Becky did not want to be taken away from her father and stepmother and begged to stay home. She promised to start eating, and the social services agents agreed to give her one more chance. They gave her two more weeks to start gaining weight, or they would admit her to the clinic. The scare seemed to work because the following day she started eating all of her meals and from that point on she ate three meals a day plus snacks. She started putting on a couple of pounds a week and soon was back to a healthy weight. Eventually, she had the energy to start boxing again and was able to maintain fitness instead of just worrying about being skinny. On her 13th birthday, she indulged in a large slice of chocolate cake. During the next school year, her ninth grade, Becky started mentoring some of the younger kids and helped them in areas where she struggled at that age. She got an award from the school for her mentoring, but unfortunately, she wasn't able to stay at the school. She had missed so much time while she was being bullied that she had fallen behind. She was transferred to a special school for children who had missed school due to medical issues. Darren worried she'd have a hard time with the change, but she immediately liked the school and quickly made friends. 
Over the next few years, Becky caught up with school, hung out with her two best friends, Adam and Courtney, and even started dating. She started designing houses, complete with decorations and furniture, and decided she wanted to become an interior designer. At 16, she was living the life of a pretty normal, healthy teenager. Backing up to 2008, Nathan brought home a new girlfriend named Shauna Hoare. Nathan was 21 years old at the time, and to the shock of Darren, Shauna was only 14. When Nathan approached his stepfather in the driveway, he tried to tell him that Shauna was 19, but Darren knew he was lying. He told him to get back in his car and piss off. Darren tried to resist, but like most cowardly pedophile abusers, he tucked his tail between his legs and left. When Nathan came back a few days later, on his own, he asked why he couldn't bring his girlfriend over. Darren told him if he could show him a birth certificate that proves she's over the age of consent, it would be no problem. Otherwise, he was not about to let his adult stepson bring an underage girl into his home while they were still being watched by social services regarding Danny and Becky. Once a child is placed into foster care, social services will look for any reason to take them away again after they're released to one or both parents. Angie didn't want to upset her son, but she knew that Darren was absolutely right about the situation. From that point, Darren didn't try to bring Shauna over for the next two years. Then, in 2010, he showed up with her birth certificate, which proved that she had just turned 16, the legal age of consent in England. So he was 23 and she was 16 and he felt that was appropriate? At any rate, though Darren felt the age gap was far too wide, Nathan was legally allowed to date her and wouldn't be placing his family in jeopardy, so Darren agreed to let him bring her over whenever he wanted. When Nathan finally brought her over, Shauna was very polite and seemed like a good person, and despite still feeling something was off about her, he eventually warmed up to her. Nathan would bring her over often, and she just became a normal fixture in the family. Shauna Hoare was born on February 12, 1994, and was placed into foster care before the age of five. She remained with various foster families until she was 13, when she moved back in with her mother. Of course, that was only about a year before she would start dating Nathan, and was still living with her mother when she turned 16 and was finally allowed into his mother and stepfather's home. Danny was usually out with friends and didn't seem to really acknowledge Shauna, who was only a year older than him. Becky thought Shauna was great and really wanted to be friends with her. Shauna was not interested in being friends with someone so much younger than her, which is hilarious given the age difference between her and her boyfriend. If she thinks being friends with someone four years younger than her is beneath her, what about a boy who dates someone seven years younger than himself? Darren started noticing that Becky was gifting clothes to Shauna, but the older girl showed absolutely no gratitude. He told Becky to stop in front of Shauna and Nathan. When Shauna glared at Darren, he kicked her and Nathan out of the house. It was incidents like this that would stick with Nathan, not building anger toward Darren over kicking him out of the house or scolding his girlfriend, but at Becky for getting them kicked out of the house. Nathan had gotten himself diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is a condition where it's believed that your brain is sending incorrect signals that make you feel pain when there's no actual reason to feel pain. The problem with this diagnosis is that there's no actual test or known cause, so the doctor has to just take your word for it that you feel pain, and when they eliminate every other possible reason, it gets diagnosed as fibromyalgia. This means it can be used by people who don't want to work in order to get a disability payment. 
Some people believe that this is exactly what Nathan did as he had been a hard-working young man who never complained about pain. Then suddenly, when he started dating Shauna, he was in constant pain and claimed he had a bad back. Not only did he stop working, but he stopped taking care of himself, showing up at his parents' house ungroomed and smelled like he hadn't showered in days. In 2011, Angie was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and was beginning to have trouble keeping her balance. Her muscles were getting weaker and she needed a lot of help around the house. Despite this, Nathan became rude to his mother. Once Darren overheard Nathan tell Shauna that Angie was, quote, a fucking idiot, and he exploded. He laid into Nathan, but the boy just didn't seem to care. He was at a breaking point with Nathan, but when Shauna got pregnant, that changed everything. Despite Nathan's attitude, Darren and Angie were going to have a grandchild and they were determined to help any way they could. Becky was also thrilled to be an aunt, but one day while she was talking to Angie about the baby, Nathan told her that she would never be allowed anywhere near their child. Becky started crying and Darren dragged Nathan into the kitchen by the collar. He demanded to know what the hell had happened to him. Nathan had grown into a well-rounded, hard-working person, and now he was a lazy prick with an attitude problem. Nathan had no answers, and Darren realized that his stepson had turned into someone else. He didn't know what to do with him. The details about the baby were sealed, but after they were born, Shauna was in the hospital for a few days before being released and going to Darren and Angie's house. She thanked them for helping her out and told them that they were like the family she never had. This moment eased the family dynamic and even Nathan seemed to calm down a bit and relax into his new duties as a father. Now that things were calming down, Darren and Angie finally decided to officially tie the knot. On August 31st, 2013, they were married with Becky and Shauna as bridesmaids and Danny and Nathan as co-best men. Angie's condition was getting worse, so they had Shauna become her caretaker so she could work but also have the baby with her. It seemed like a perfect situation until they found that Shauna wasn't really doing that much to help Angie. She was just taking the allowance that was provided for a caretaker and would occasionally do a bit of cleaning. Nathan also went right back to tormenting Becky. If she showed even the slightest bit of confidence, he would immediately say something to knock her back down. He would sometimes grab her by the shoulders and scream in her face. He thought it was hilarious, but it terrified Becky. Darren saw Becky for the last time at 3 a.m. on February 18th, and that evening she stayed at a friend's house, so when Darren got home from work, it was just him and Angie. It was the day before Danny's 20th birthday, and though he still lived with them at the time, he wouldn't have required any care and would have likely been doing his own thing. They had celebrated his birthday the previous weekend and he was planning on going out with friends the next day. The morning of the 19th, after Darren left for work, Angie saw Becky before she left for an appointment at the hospital, but when she returned almost two hours later, Nathan and Shauna were there at the house and they said they heard a door slam while they were in the backyard smoking. They assumed it was Becky leaving. It's not unusual for a 16-year-old to go out with friends, so Angie didn't think anything was out of the ordinary. Later that day, Becky's boyfriend Luke stopped by looking for her. Shauna checked Becky's room but said she wasn't there. He told them that she was supposed to meet up with him but she didn't show up and hadn't answered his texts. 
Angie shrugged it off and told him she'd let Becky know that he came by. Later that night, Becky didn't come home and the parents assumed that she had stayed at her friend's house again. These were all things that were not out of the norm. Becky went out on her own to meet friends and stayed at their houses all the time. Her not responding to her boyfriend also seemed like typical teenage behavior. It was the following day that all of Becky's friends and Luke showed up at her house looking for her. Darren was at work and Angie called him to let him know that none of them had seen her the day before. Darren went to his boss's office to tell him he needed to leave and his boss offered to let him log into social media and check there to see if there were any clues. When he looked, he didn't see any activity that would help him locate his daughter, so his boss told him to get out of there. I always love when in a story they describe someone's boss as being so understanding of family issues. Someone's kid goes missing and they go to their boss and apologize for having to leave, but the boss is like, don't apologize, get the heck out of here and find your kid. Sadly, there are some companies where the boss sees work as being more important than family. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. On top of having no social media activity, which is odd enough for a teenager, Becky's phone was turned off and went straight to voicemail. When Darren got home, they all discussed when the last time they had seen her was and determined that she had left the house at about 11.15 a.m. on February 19th. Darren had her best friend look through her room to see if anything significant was missing, but it didn't seem like she had taken any clothes. She also hadn't taken a bag or her makeup, which she was normally never seen without. That's when Darren called 999. While they waited for an officer to arrive, Darren had her friends and boyfriend go home and asked them to report anything they found. He went to some of the neighbors' houses and asked if they had seen her, but nobody had. Nathan and Shauna were still at the house, and Darren asked if Nathan could help him post information on social media. They found a good picture of Becky and posted the information online. When police arrived, they took all of the information but didn't seem concerned. If you haven't watched many of my episodes, you may not know that most of the time, the police don't seem to give two shits about a missing teenager. No matter what country you're in, the police seem to believe that every teenager on the planet is a few seconds away from running away from home. So after the officers shrugged and said, she'll probably turn up soon, they left. Then Nathan and Shauna packed up their baby and went home. That left Darren and Angie alone in the house to wonder what had happened to their daughter. Danny called with his birth mother, Tanya, but Darren didn't have any news. The entire night passed and all Darren could do was imagine all of the horrific scenarios that his daughter might be in. Had she been kidnapped? Raped? Was she lying on the side of the road somewhere? What if she was tied up somewhere, being held by a predator? The next day, a detective came to the house and began a missing persons investigation. Becky had been missing for 48 hours at this point, more than enough time for her to be murdered or taken to a completely different continent. But the police definitely needed to make sure she wasn't going to just turn up before they wasted their time with any real work. 
They searched the house for clues and got a DNA sample from her toothbrush. After that, a massive search for Becky took place involving police, friends, and family. Missing persons posters were put up all over the area. Police held a press conference where Darren pleaded for his daughter to return. Police made sure she knew that she wasn't in trouble if she had run away, and they told anyone who might be holding her to please do the right thing and let her go. It was no use, though. Becky wouldn't be coming home, and it wasn't a crazed stranger who had caused her disappearance. It was someone much closer. It's obvious that Nathan was attracted to young girls. It seemed that Shauna had joined him in the desire to abduct a young girl for the purpose of sex. Nathan and Shauna soon set their sights on Becky as a target. In January of 2015, a month before Becky disappeared, Shauna ordered two stun guns. This showed that they had been planning the kidnapping for quite a while. On February 19th, while Darren was at work and Angie was at the hospital, Nathan and Shauna went to their home with the intention of kidnapping Becky. Nathan claimed that he was wearing a ski mask and it slipped off. When she saw him, he put a bag over her head and ended up suffocating her to death. They carried her body out of the house and put her in the trunk of their car. They also took her laptop, tablet, and cell phone. Then they stayed at the house and casually hung out with Darren and Angie after they both got home, all while Becky's dead body was stuffed into the trunk of their car. When they finally left the house at 7 p.m., they went home, ordered Chinese food, and watched television. You know, just relaxing after a hard day of sister murdering. They eventually brought her inside, where they put her in the bathtub and stabbed her in the abdomen 15 times in order to drain her body fluids, something Nathan said he saw on an episode of CSI. Then they used a circular saw and a knife to dismember her body. They wrapped up all of the body parts in plastic wrap and placed them in various containers. A plastic tote, a suitcase, and a rucksack. Then they asked some friends to hide the packages in their shed. Eventually, the police began a full investigation of Becky's family. They brought Darren in and asked him to describe everyone in the family and how they were related. They seemed to focus on Nathan and Shauna, but Darren assured them that they had nothing to do with Becky's disappearance. Still, investigators moved on to interviews directly with Nathan and Shauna. It turned out that investigators had found a spot of blood on the door jam to Becky's room and it had a fingerprint in it. The blood was Becky's and the fingerprint was Nathan's. When they searched Nathan and Shauna's house, they found the stun guns. They also noticed that the house was filthy, but the bathroom was spotless. On March 3rd, Nathan and Shauna were both arrested on suspicion of murder. The same day, Becky's remains were discovered in a shed at the house of Carl Demetrius. He and his brother Donovan were arrested and charged with assisting an offender, along with Carl's girlfriend Jaden Parsons and another man named James Ireland. They all confessed that they had agreed to hide some items for Nathan, but they all insisted that they had no idea what was in the packages. The following day, Nathan confessed to murdering Becky, but he claimed that he was only trying to scare her and it went horribly wrong. He claimed that she was a terrible person and that she was disrespectful to his mother, so he wanted to teach her a lesson. He also claimed that Shauna wasn't involved at all. 
When he was interviewed by police, he got really upset and asked the investigators not to use her name. Oh, she said something about, um, something about Shauna. Can you rephrase that? Mm -hmm. So, you can include basically everybody in it and not use her name. Like... Do you want me to say think, yeah, like the, the other person? Is it just saying the name? Just include everybody. And like, yeah. obviously she's in. Obviously, okay. we'll be included in it, but include everybody. Don't say her name. Okay. Okay. I'll do my best to avoid using that name where I can. Nathan, okay. I can't make promises. And what I would say to you is that I'm not going to be doing anything to deliberately wind you up or anything like that, okay? Um, but we've obviously been here a long time, and if I make a slip up, it may well be because I'm tired and those things happen, okay? <coughs> it's really quite strange. Shauna was originally charged with perverting the course of justice, but after she was investigated further, Authorities believed she was also directly involved with Becky's murder. In one of the containers that had Becky's remains, they found a second ski mask with Shauna's DNA on the inside. They found that the stun guns were purchased by her, and they found a search on her phone for a video called Do You Wanna Hide a Body, which is a parody of the song from the Disney movie Frozen, Do You Wanna Build a Snowman? That search happened on the evening that Becky was murdered. Yeah, she was involved. When their trial began on October 6, 2015, Nathan and Shauna had both pleaded not guilty. Nathan was arguing that it wasn't murder, it was manslaughter since it was supposedly an accident, and Shauna continued to claim no involvement. The prosecutor showed evidence of pre-planning, and one of Becky's friends testified that Becky had told her two years before about how Nathan had threatened to kill her and then described exactly how he was going to do it. She said that Becky was always afraid of Nathan. The prosecution showed text messages between Nathan and Shauna where they talked about plans to kidnap other teenage girls. They texted back and forth about kidnapping a girl they saw at a grocery store the November before Becky's murder. In December, Nathan sent a text to Shauna requesting she bring back, quote, two pretty schoolgirls. Later that day, Shauna sent a text to Nathan that read, quote, just went into Costcutter and saw a pretty petite girl. Almost knocked her out to bring home, LOL, XOXO. Nathan responded, quote, don't you almost me. Do it now, bitch. XXXXX. Both Nathan and Shauna took the stand in their own defense, but they didn't win any sympathy from the jury during their testimonies. When they were cross-examined by the prosecution, they were left with little chance of a not guilty verdict. Nathan Matthews was found guilty of murder, and Shauna Hoare was found guilty of manslaughter. They were both also convicted of conspiracy to kidnap perverting the course of justice, preventing a lawful burial of a body, and possession of two stun guns. Nathan was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 33 years. Shauna was sentenced to 17 years. Both Nathan and Shauna filed appeals, but they were both denied in 2016. 
Despite the fact that Angie's son had murdered Darren's daughter, they remained together. It was something that could easily tear any couple apart. Darren said it was definitely a struggle, and he describes multiple outbursts where he would shout at Angie about her son being a monster, or about how he planned to kill him, but he always cooled down and apologized, and she understood where his anger was coming from. They remained together, and Darren continued to take care of Angie. Angie said she would never forgive her son for destroying her family. In November of 2016, Another convicted murderer in prison poured a container of boiling hot butter over Nathan's face and neck. He was taken to the hospital and received treatment. When Darren was interviewed, he simply said, quote, Karma's a bitch. Then he added, quote, It's my birthday today, and that's the best present I'll get all day. Speaking of birthdays, Nathan and Shauna murdered Becky on her brother Danny's birthday. Now, for the rest of his life, he can't celebrate his own birthday without thinking about his sister being murdered and dismembered. They not only took the life of a 16-year-old, but they destroyed the lives of everyone else around her and made Danny's birthday a reminder of her murder. I have to wonder if that was intentional. It can't be a coincidence. Nathan and Danny got along okay, but Danny was still another person who took attention away from his mother. Did he want to kill Becky and also make sure he hurt Danny as badly as he could as well? I don't think anyone would put it past them. They weren't just monsters. They were such selfish monsters that they made their crime affect everyone else around them as much as they possibly could. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can also check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our new merch at Teespring. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.